0: One of 57 Windows Classic Rock. A pleasure to have with us Rick Lee of 10 Years After. Oh, hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Now, you, big news, you have a book and an album to talk about, and 10 Years After, the legacy lives on.
1: It does indeed. Yeah, the the, uh, the new album is called, well, it's not completely new. We made it about two years or three years ago in uh in Europe, and it was released there. It's done very well there. It's called the Sting in the Tail Deluxe Edition, and it's being put out in America by Deco Entertainment. That's the KO. And they decided that it would be good to add uh, four live bonus tracks. Yeah. So um, we did an album just after uh, Sting in the Tail, called Naturally Live, so we took four tracks from there and gave them to uh, Deco to make the deluxe edition, and one of those tracks is I'd Love to Change the World, which is a big hit for us in the the 1970s in in America.
0: Ten years after, we're talking to uh, Rick Lee, and of course, original drummer, and you and Chick Churchill have been with the band since the beginning, since the beginning all the way to now. You are the two constants, and you have some talented people uh, rounding out the band, but... uh, like I remember talking to Alvin and one of I was one of the last people to interview Alvin. He told a story about you guys coming to America for the first time, going to get, uh, you know, some cheeseburgers, french fries and cokes and sit on the boulevard and and look at all the cars go by. Uh, that's
1: right. Yeah. Uh, um and also we we went out walking on Sunset Boulevard. So hot. We not we not been in in that sort of heat before. But the, you know, the dry Californian heat which was which was fantastic. Yeah. And walking along and looking looking also at all, all the car showrooms along there. You know, the Rolls-Royces and uh, Mercedes and, and things we never expected to see in America. Yeah. Because you had a huge car industry of your own. Yeah. But um, there was obviously people that were interested in, in the English products as well. In fact, a very dear friend of mine for many years, uh, Don Law, the um, head promoter in in, uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, always drove um, European cars. He wasn't a fan of American cars.
0: Yeah. We're talking to Rick Lee of 10 Years After. A new album is called in the Tail with four bonus live tracks. Also, let's talk about your book. Uh, The book is out. Uh, Tell us about the book.
1: Well, the book's called From Headstocks to Woodstock. Uh, Now, Headstocks is a play on words. Uh, really, because I was born in the mining mining town of Mansfield in Nottinghamshire, uh, right across the, uh, we were right over the huge uh, Nottinghamshire coal field. And the headstock in Mansfield my- is the uh, big, uh, uh, well, I can't call it machinery, but there's a big column of metal which holds a winding wheel at the top and the uh, cable runs across that and then attaches to a cage and then drops the man- miners down into the ground to... to uh, mine the coal um so that was uh that in fact inside the inside front cover and back cover of the book there's a photograph of clipston colliery which is where one of the nearest uh, coal mines to where i live and that's the uh, that's the headstocks there that you'll be able to see when you get the book it's also the top end of a guitar neck where the tuning pegs yeah. are that's called a headstock as well yeah. so it's a bit of a play on words in mm-hmm. fact, the original cover, the cover, by the way, has an aerial shot of Woodstock of all the, uh, whatever, however many, 100,000 people it was there. And then the uh, headstock runs up the side of the cover and then it's up and playing the kit. Easy. But originally, sorry, the, originally there was a guitar uh, neck there and a mate of mine said, what do you want a guitar for? You're a drummer. Yeah. You know, there should be a picture of you playing drums. So we changed it and that's how that came about.
0: Woodstock, 10 years after, one of the most... I mean, it's the all-time three top moments of rock and roll history. Playing, going home, I'm going home, at Woodstock. Just one of the most iconic moments. Now, in, in in those other three iconic moments, one would be Elvis Presley, 1956, and the band was named 10 years after, in 1966, 10 years after Elvis.
1: Well, that was a comment by Alvin, uh, but that, that's not strictly true. I mean, it's a great... In fact, the band became... 10 uh, years after in 1967 um, we had a name we would call ourselves the Blues Yard for our very first gig at the Marquee Club in London which is what to uh, the success we managed to achieve and at the time well he was our manager came down to see us from Manchester and he he hadn't signed us at that point they thought the down were great and he said you have to get a new name you can't be called the Blues Yard so um, Leo actually uh, Leo Lyons our bass player got a, a, a pin And he got the TV guide, and he closed his eyes and went down the programs and (laughs) stuck a pin in. And wherever he stuck a pin, he he took that, and whatever it was. And one of them was Life Without Mother, and the other was Ten Years After. And we sent them up to Chris's office in Manchester, and they decided on Ten Years After. But the title of the program... The TV program, it was a documentary about 10 years after the Suez Crisis. So in 1956, there was this program looking at what had happened in the 10 years following that. The Suez Crisis was the, the Brits and the French built the Suez Canal, which runs from the Mediterranean Sea round through into the, I think it's in the Gulf of uh, in, in Arabia. And if you haven't got that open, it's a quick way to India and to Australia. Yeah. If that's not open, you have to go all the way around Africa Africa to get there. So it takes days and days and months. But the Egyptians decided they wanted the canal, and so they sank a load of ships in the canal and stopped people going through it. So for a while, you can imagine the disruption to trade and and tourism and everything because the canal wasn't open. Um, And so this was looking at at what eventually happened to get the canal open again and so on. So that's that's where 10 years after I actually came from. But I think Alvin's comment was fantastic as well, you
0: know. Yeah, Rick Lee, drummer. Ten years after new album, Sting in the Tail Deluxe Edition, four live tracks, and I got to tell you, it's it's just right on the money. I mean, it sounds so good, it's and and just jumps right out. One thing really I good loved of you, about, Max. Thank you. One Thank things you. I loved about Ten Years After, and I was listening to Grand Funk Railroad and Ten Years After, and a couple of the other older '60s bands, is that back then there was a practice of you know you'd bring the big amps and then the the PA was used for the vocals and the drums you and the singer were the PA. The big amps were the volley of sound from the band. And you listen to the old uh, 10 Years After uh, records I was listening to. Oh man, my, one of my favorites of course is Shush, but Recorded Live, I uh-huh. had that I had that on Recorded Live. Yep. And also I listened to Woodstock because I was pretty stoked about getting a chance to talk to you. There was, there was that warmth of the bass and the guitar in your face. And then somewhere in the 70s, they started miking everything and putting everything yeah. through the PA. And so you can come out with a practice amp and mic that and be through the PA. And the sound men started making the band sound like the record. Well, I don't want to sound... I, I have the record. I want to I hear a show. <laughs> I don't want to hear a studio recording. I want to yeah. hear a show.
1: Good point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I never... I never had any on-stage monitors until the 80s, <laughs> would you believe? So I played all through that period, no, no monitors. And what I did was, and also we didn't have drum risers. Wow. So uh, even at Woodstock, there was no drum riser. So what I used to do, I used to set the kit up, or got, got the crew to set the kit up, between Alvin's speakers and Leo's speak, but with my ears, yeah behind the um the the, the speakers as so so I was sitting between the two columns to speak, but i didn 't have the sound going directly into my ears, wow. and I think that 's one of the reasons i mean obviously, my hearing has changed over the years it 's not as keen as it was because'm i 'm an old boy now yeah. but um it 's still fan- pretty fantastic uh, wow. and I think that 's because I protected them all those years yeah. um, and I remember the first time I had monitors we went it was nineteen 19- Eight, I think it was, yeah. and uh, went and did these shows in Germany, these big shows, and I, uh, I got the kit, and I, we did a quick sound check, and I thought, Good God, what's that when I kicked the bass drum and when I, well, or, 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 or the kick drum as you call it in America, and the and the snare drum, and I, it almost blew me off my seat, and that's because there were these <laughs> great monitor speakers behind me. i you know never experienced anything like it; it was frightening. But, uh, you know, you you get used to these changes.
0: There's uh, a statistic, a number, a a story I heard from Alvin as that uh, between 67 and 74, 10 years after did more shows in America than any other band, either domestic or or from abroad. You guys did more shows than any other band.
1: Yeah, I think actually, I think it was was more than The Who. Um, But it was, yeah, 28 tours in eight years.
0: Wow, twenty-eight which tours is, uh, in eight years. Yes, which now is going so. Which sets me up to the next one is that you, you guys, uh, ten years after, were all, always on tour, and when you did get a chance to record. You just all went in, and you knew the songs. You knew the material. You, you played as a band. You recorded live as a band. Instead of putting everybody in different spots, we'll get the drums, then we'll get the bass, then we will get building it like a cake from the ground up. No, no, you guys went in and recorded live. Is, is is that the
1: story? Well, it's what everybody did, really, in those days. Yeah, I mean, you had you had screens between the instruments, but that was just to stop bleed into the microphone, So you would that would prevent. Uh, well, it didn't completely prevent it, but it meant the engineers had a bit more control than if it was just an inner room with, with no screens. You know, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking now of um, Good Morning Little Schoolgirl because you were saying Shush was a favourite. of you. Yes. Um, the studio recording of, of that is on, on Shush. Um, I remember that very clearly. It was at Morgan Studios in, in Cricklewood in London. I was in a corner with, with um, screens either side of me but with a gap Uh, between, so instead of it, if if you like, there weren't four complete sides, there were two sides behind me, which were the walls of the studio, and then there were these two screens which came out, one came out towards the front of the kit, and the other one did as well, but there was a gap, Um, and that gap was because what we try and get the feeling of it was we recorded it like we played it live with Alvin and Leo doing their guitar bass battle in front of me, this yeah. is how we did it on stage. Their amplifiers were screened off, of course, and Chick was in a, another part of the studio with the Hammond organ, which was also screened off because of the of the sound of the Leslies. Yeah. Um, but we did it as near as damn it to actually being on stage. That that particular track. Yeah. We didn't do everything like that, but that yeah, that was one.
0: Yeah, Shush was my favorite. and It was the open up, and then the original open up had the eyes in the middle, and it was just uh, well, that's it right yeah. opened up yeah. my life to this music which was a great adventure and I became a big fan of Chrysalis Records. Some of the uh, other uh, people on the roster Jethro Tull, UFO uh, there was just so much great talent on the Chrysalis label. It was just iconic. Yeah, some great music came out of those days. Rick Lee Yeah, thank you. Rick Lee, 10 years after a new book and once again uh, Headstock to Woodstock is the name of the book and man, Woodstock once again how was that?
1: <laughs> Thought you never asked.
0: <laughs> oh, that gotta been must have been just crazy fun. <laughs> oh, it
1: was it was a, as I remember it, it was a fantastic day, you know. I mean, uh at six o'clock that morning I think it was, to fly to New York. We got picked up by two cars that drove us up to um well, the closest you could get to the site was Bethel, yeah. uh, which was six miles away. Uh, we were wanting to get some sleep. We'd only had a bit of sleep on the plane, and and the only time we got to eat was on the plane. And then uh, when we got up to Bethel, we went into the hotel, um, but there were no rooms. All the other bands had taken over rooms, uh, not just one band in one room. There were several bands in, in one room, um, and we ended up, I, I was just managed to, and get comfortable on the floor of of the room we were sharing with um janice joplin and big brother you know i was using like a a rucksack from a pillow and lying on the floor and trying to find something to put over me just to try and get a bit of sleep uh and d anthony our american manager came running and said you got to go to the site we said well we thought we're on tonight no no they want you there now you're playing this afternoon oh okay so we went to go get in the cars and he said you can't go by car we can't we can't get there all the roads are blocked. So uh, there's a helicopter. <coughs> Follow me. So we went up to the helipad, and there was a chopper sitting there with the rotors just gently going round. I was about to get on it, and I was pushed out of the way by this uh, sort of bulky kind of guy with, with a ponytail and glasses. And then he had three other dudes with him. Um, and it turned out that was uh, Albert Grossman and uh, three, uh, three guys from Cosbury Steels Nash. Oh, uh, but wow. it was actually Crosby, Stills and Young because uh, Nash came later. So they pinched that helicopter. <laughs> anyway, another one came in. We got on board that and we were flying in with the medic. And the medic said, whatever you do, don't eat anything that's not been cooked and don't drink anything from an unsealed can because yeah. we could have a uh, an outbreak of hepatitis. Yeah. And we're thinking it could be an epidemic, yeah. not a pandemic, an epidemic. So, uh, Okay. Anyway, we arrived, and um, I sat and watched Joe Cocker's set. The sun was shining. It was a really nice day. sat on the stage and watched Joe. who did an amazing set, of course, as always. And uh, just after that, the storm came up and made everything live. All the electricity was knocked out to start with. Um, It poured with rain. Uh, Not for long, but it was enough. It was a a hell of a downpour. And uh, the wind was blowing. It's a wonder that the, the stage, the towers on the stage the PA towers didn't come down because they weren't really built for all that I mean health and safety wouldn't have come into it now you know you you would not have got that festival off the ground you know we couldn't eat anything there was nothing backstage the tower was out there was nothing cooked and I never found a can that wasn't already open I think we had some water bottles sealed water bottles supplied later for the set so that was about what we had to drink
0: you're tired you're hungry and you're just about to play one of the most iconic shows of all time (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> when we started, "Good Morning Little Schoolgirl," because the atmosphere was very damp uh, from the from the rainstorm we'd had earlier, and of course it was a summer's evening, so you you get the um, you know you get the uh, uh, condensation forming. The guitars wouldn't stay in tune, and in those days there were no electronic tuners, yeah. So Alvin used to tune with a pitch pipe, yeah, um, and get his guitar in tune, and then Leo was actually Leo is, is tone deaf. So, I mean, he hears okay, but it, it, he was toned deaf. So Alvin would then tune his guitar by putting the headstock of, of Leo's bass to his ear, playing the notes on the guitar, and then listening to Leo play the note on the bass and then getting it in tune from that. Wow. And then they would play a set of broken chords, you know, and then Leo would do the same, and that's the way they would check it was in tune. Wow. So we had to do that three, I think maybe four times. Because um, the guitar just wouldn't stay in tune. Yeah. Eventually, we got it sorted, and, and, and we played. And so that was a little bit nerve-wracking in front of three hundred thousand or whatever it was. Yeah. In a small club, you can get away with it. So you just hang on a minute. We're going to tune up. You know, and Alvin, Alvin did say that. But you know, you didn't know how that crowd was going to. run. But they were fantastic. They were so patient. Yeah. You know, I mean, think a lot of them were very stoned anyway. But um, <laughs> you know, they were very, very patient. You know, and considering that they were. Sort of sitting around in mud, and uh, yeah. they they hadn't had much food either. The, the the helicopters started flying over and dropping in food parcels, oh, and so. and the camaraderie was so good that they would be a food parcel would land to somebody, and they would tear it open and share it with the, their neighbours who they probably hardly knew at that point. Yeah, uh, you know so. There's a a little moral in that, that that's the way we should be living now. You know, forget all the violence and the stealing and the fighting and all the rest of it. Woodstock, the people there managed to live for, well, more than three days, but no violence. I think two children were born and, you know, everything was, it was literally what it said it was, a festival of peace, love
0: and music. Wow. We're talking to Rick Lee from 10 years after and memories of memories of, of a lifetime with the band and new album is called Stingin' the Tail. And the book is called Headstock to Woodstock. So many great memories, so many great stories. And I will have this up on the website as well with links so you can check these things out. But a, a pleasure and uh, an honor to spend a moment with you and, and uh, celebrate this new chapter. And also take a walk down memory lane. Wow. Yeah. And like I say, shush. That was my first record I bought and I just I still have it today on Duram. You know, it's funny the things that stick with you. That one, Led Zeppelin two, there's a couple others that I have that I first bought as a kid, you know? I
1: bet they're on vinyl
0: still, yeah. Yes, they are. I've got uh, Good two- for you. I've, I've got a great vinyl collection here <coughs> as well. Good luck with all the new uh, things going on
1: with Ten Years After, man. I'm, I'm really stoked. You're, you're very welcome, and thank you for your time, Max. I, I, something you will be interested in, I know um, Chrysalis later this year, I think June or July, are going to release... Um, they finally got their hands on the actual Woodstock recordings of the, oh, wow. of the original set we did. Wow! So that that all will be out, some, and I believe they're doing it on vinyl. Certainly in America. Wow! They'll probably do it on vinyl in Europe as well, actually. Yeah. Um, but they've had pressing problems, so we're not sure of the date yet. Um, yeah. because of COVID, they weren't yeah. sure when they, they yeah. can get it when they can get it pressed. Um, and the other thing that's happening this year happens to be the fiftieth anniversary of a Space in Time. Right, which was when the first studio recording of I'd Love to Change the World came out. Yeah, So a lot yeah. going on for 10 years after this year.
0: Yeah, good job, good game. Rick Lee, a pleasure and an honor and all the best to you and yours. And I look forward to seeing you out there playing.
1: Thank you. And to everybody out there, stay safe and well. Take care.